one semester of law school, one semester of criminal justice, two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about an exuberant hug. And I'll be talking about an incredible story of survival. Oh, God. Someone went through something horrible. They survived. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I mean, that's rare for your cases. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, though, um, in my research of this case, I cried several times. So I hope I can get through it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, my case is light. Oh, good. So... It's about yeah. hugs. By the way, I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode featuring DP. You've been DP'd. <laughs> Don't they know it? Um, I literally just got a text from him. He's very upset because he made four lengthy Seinfeld references, and I cut all of them. <laughs> and I'm not apologizing for it. Uh, here's the deal, DP, because I know you're listening. Seinfeld references, not your best material. But that line about the kids being sleuths, good stuff. Also, the Jesus fetus line. Oh, Jesus fetus. He had some good good. lines. But when he's saying, hey, remember Remember that episode of Seinfeld, not your best material. (laughs) It's not his material. (laughs) (laughs) All right, are you ready? So ready to talk about a hug. It was March 18th. 2011. We're at, are you ready? 25. Oh, address? Yeah, yeah. No, address. I was not ready. I wasn't picking up the cues at all. I flailed my I'm hands sorry. out. Okay, I'm, I'm ready now. We're at 25 Woods Grove Road, Westport, Connecticut. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Is this? Cute, I'm right? At, hold on. Wait, I'm at 25. Oh. Is it 25 or 24? 25. Oh, 25. It's so cute. Adorable. Okay. So yes. pictures. It's Sean Tarala's eighth birthday party. And he's so excited. Yay! For his birthday, he got a brand new red bike. Excellent. Not a trike. He was done with tricycles. He had a bicycle. Excellent. Okay? Okay. He's pumped. He's so excited. He's riding all over the place. And then he saw his aunt, Jennifer Connell. And he was double excited because his auntie came to his birthday party. (laughs) So he dropped the new bike to the ground and he ran toward her shouting, Auntie Chin, Auntie Chin. And when he got close enough, he yelled, Auntie Chin, I love you. And he leapt into her arms. Excellent. What? What's going to happen? <laughs> you look like you want to be happy, but you're not I letting do. yourself I want to be happy so bad, but I'm something bad's going to happen. He's going to break her back, and she's going to sue the family for lost wages as a stripper, because she can't do her signature move anymore. What was her signature I, move? Uh... The bulldog thing? Ew, God, what's a bulldog? Do you remember that? No, what are you talking about? You know. No, I don't. No, I don't. It's like when we were like in the eighth grade, it became this thing that everyone was trying to do this stupid dance move called like the bulldog. You literally get on all fours and you cross your... Oh, I do remember that. Yes! yes. (laughs) I'm sure that we looked really cool doing that. We did. So... Jennifer wasn't prepared for the run and jump hug. Uh-huh. She tried to catch him, but they both tumbled onto the ground. 
pretty immediately. <laughs> sorry, Brady. I'm sorry. She experienced pain in her wrist. <laughs> but she didn't say anything because it was Sean's birthday party and she didn't want to ruin the mood. Is she uh, related to Sean's mom or dad? You know, I don't know. And technically, he was the son of a cousin. But not he called. An, not really an aunt. But, then. you know, they, they called. All right. Okay, okay. Okay. So she suffers in silence, Uh and then she got back home to Manhattan, and the pain didn't go away. To make matters worse, she lived in a third-floor walk-up, so she constantly had to carry things upstairs, and with one injured wrist, that kind of sucked. What? Okay. Oh. Well, that's lame, so I'm You know what? I'm going to run and jump hug at you. (laughs) And I will catch you, Kristen. (laughs) I'll catch you and I will lift you over my head. Do you think you really could? No, probably not. I do lift Um, Cameron over my head. How dare you? Cameron is my nine year old niece. Uh huh. Is she five foot nine and several pounds? (laughs) (laughs) If so, we could make this happen. So, no, but she likes me to pick her up and then see if I can lift her over my head. And can you? Yeah. Okay. I asked her how much she weighed. I don't really have any ideas. She told me she thinks she weighs 50 pounds. I have no idea if that's That doesn't seem right for a nine-year-old. How much does a nine-year-old weigh? (laughs) Well, I don't really know, but it seems like she'd be more like 80 at that point, right? I know. I could lift her over my head, so I think that means I'm strong. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You have been looking very veiny lately. (laughs) That's a serious compliment. (laughs) So... She constantly had to carry these things upstairs. And even Ugh, though Brandy doesn't wrist. give a shit. Ugh. Wow, Brandy, okay. I'm just saying, if it was her ankle, all right. Yes, that would suck very much. It's not like you're walking up the stairs on your hands. But, okay, she's living in Manhattan. She's got to get groceries. And you can't carry all your groceries in your good arm and just have your other one a-dangling. <laughs> you know? All right. Okay. Plus, later... You ready to really cry for her? She went to a party. And it was difficult for her to hold her hors d'oeuvre plate. Okay. What? Is she for real? She's very for real. And, you know, you load that thing up with stuffed mushrooms. (laughs) It's whore's divorce. (laughs) Her wrist was broken. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I do feel bad for her. That sucks. Yeah, all right. Finally, some and, I mean, that would hurt whether you... I feel like a break, right? That hurts all the time, whether you're using your wrist or not. Right. So okay. I think you and I both agree that this eight-year-old is an asshole. No, that <laughs> we do not agree about. She's suing an eight-year-old? Well, hold the phone. Just hang on. What was she to do, I ask you? Uh, pay her medical bills? It was just an accident? Whoa. Go to the doctor, get a cast... Well, Probably have to have some physical therapy. Forgive her eight-year-old nephew. Well, okay. Or, or, <laughs> and I'm just saying, maybe she could just look her little nephew in his loving eyes and say, Let's go to court! No! Jennifer sued Sean for $127,000. He's eight! But he was loaded. No, he wasn't. He just got that bright red new body. <laughs> um, so you're probably thinking, well, there's no way this went to trial. 
they had to settle this case. You're wrong. This went to trial? Yes. Yes. Why did I say trial like that? Trial? Trial? You just learned the word trial. (laughs) Welcome to our court Court podcast. podcast. So in October of 2015, when Sean was 12 years old, his trial began. Jennifer's legal argument was simple. That eight-year-old boy had been negligent and careless when he gave her that forceful greeting. Any reasonable eight-year-old knows or should know that when they greet someone in such a forceful manner that they could cause the type of injury or harm that Jennifer this suffered. This is so ridiculous. No, no, no. Any reasonable <laughs> eight-year-old. No, they're eight. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to pause here for a quick little legal caveat because at first I was like, can you really sue a kid for hugging you? I mean, that seems kind of crazy. But minors can be held liable for injuries that they inflict negligently, Mm -hmm. which again, but anyway, bottom line is you don't get off scot-free just because you're a kid, but you're obviously not held to the same standard as an adult either. So the court looks at the child's age, their experience, their judgment, and then they determine from there what expectations are appropriate for that child. Mm-hmm. Back to the trial. This is some bullshit is what this is. Why? It's an eight-year-old kid who was fucking excited to see you. Yeah. And, and he, he gave you a running hug. into your arms because he's so excited. It's his birthday and you came and you're going to sue him? So, what what annoyed me about this is, this is just the way kids hug yeah. you. Yeah. The other day, I <laughs> okay, literally last weekend, my niece, who is seven, came over to me. We were, we were going to hug. I bent down to kiss her on the top of the head, and she gave me, like, a jump hug. Yeah, and headbutted you? Yeah. Hurt like you would not believe. I could have sworn I had, like, rich lady lips. Like, they puffed out huge. <laughs> And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to sue her. Uh, no, you are not, Yeah, $127,000. That's all I want. I don't ask for much. <sighs> I've seen that kid's piggy bank. She's got something in there. <laughs> so Jennifer, who is an HR manager in Manhattan, told the six-member jury that she loves Sean. But he needs to be held accountable for what he did. Give you a hug? Yeah. A a forceful greeting. That caused her to fall over and break her wrist? Yeah. Whose fault was that she didn't fall over on her own? It's not it's not a fault thing. It was an accident. Yeah, I completely agree. By this point, she'd had two surgeries on her wrist, and it looked like she needed a third. So I mean this this legitimately sucked. Again, I don't think that's that's not anybody's fault. No. She described what happened on that fateful day. She said, All of a sudden, he was there in the air. I had to catch him, and we tumbled onto the ground. I remember him shouting, Auntie Jen, I love you! And there he was, flying at me. Wow, how dare he love you. <laughs> I'm sure that stopped. <laughs> right? Sean's lawyer... Teach you to love me? <laughs> like, what the hell? Sean's lawyer was like, wow, can we chill? He told the jury that the only thing Sean was guilty of doing was 
quote, trying to give his aunt, his aunt a hug on his birthday. Mm. Obviously, reporters covered this trial, and everyone had an opinion on it. And everyone's opinion was pretty much the same. What kind of aunt sues their eight-year-old nephew over a hug? People were calling Jennifer the world's worst aunt, and, I love this one, the auntie Christ. Ah! <laughs> They were saying nasty things about her on social media. Hashtag aunt from hell was trending on Twitter. Uh, yeah. To make matters even worse. By the way, I'm, I'm going back and forth, as I always do, between aunt and aunt. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, because you're half Midwest trash. And this. Half fancy East Coaster. Half. This happened in Connecticut, so I'm yes. trying to be respectful. <laughs> To make matters even worse, by the time this case went to court, Sean's mother had died. So here he was. What? Yeah, I know. His mom dies and his aunt is suing him? Yeah. Yeah. So the people were just like, my God, this lady is a total monster. Yes. At this point, Jennifer's lawyers were like, whoa, okay, we need to do some damage control. So they talked to the press. They said that Jennifer was never looking for money. They said she had... (laughs) Okay, Brandy. People can't hear that face you're making. (laughs) Would you like to describe it? It kind of looks like Columbo. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a... "Mm, I don't know. I'm starting to put this together. It seems like you were only after money. You know what it also is? It's the face Chris Hansen makes when they're like, I was just coming to check on the girl. <laughs> she said she was home alone and I was worried. I was worried about her. So I brought uh, these uh, condoms <laughs> and beer, you know. Geese. You should never show up empty handed. her mom was here. Oh, <laughs> they said she had no choice in this matter. She had to sue Sean. No, she did not. What was she supposed to do? Go to pay her medical bills like a normal person. I already said this. <laughs> so get this. Jennifer's attorneys needed to do damage control. And here's what they said. Jennifer's insurance wasn't willing to cover her injury. So your suggestion about, like, just, you know, Uh have your insurance pay for it doesn't work. According to Connecticut state law, anyone who files an injury claim on their insurance has to take the responsible party to court. Really? That's what they're saying. There's no way that's true. Her attorneys prepared a statement for the media, and it read, She didn't want to do this any more than anyone else would, but her hand was forced by the insurance company. They said, from the start, this was a case about one thing, getting medical bills paid by homeowner's insurance. Our client was never looking for money from her nephew or his family. It was about the insurance industry and being forced to sue to get medical bills paid. Really? Is this true or are they making this up? I don't think they're making it up. I mean, I went through all these articles there was never any counter-argument. And I feel like if there was a counter-argument, yeah, we would have seen forward. it. Absolutely. 
Jennifer said that she wanted to get the money from Sean's parents' homeowner's insurance, but she was advised that under Connecticut state law, she had to sue an individual. She, she truly said, this is the last thing I wanted. I didn't want to do this. But she had these two surgeries. She needed a third. And her medical insurance was not going to pay for it. Okay. All okay. right. Maybe I'll take back some of my... <laughs> Some of, my, some of my disdain for her. According to her attorneys before this trial, Jennifer had tried really hard to get her medical expenses covered by her own insurance. But her insurance company had only offered her one dollar. One dollar? Mm-hmm. They're like that guy in the commercial with the fishing pole? I don't know what you're Got talking you about. a dollar. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking it's about. It's like a Geico commercial. I don't watch TV. I mostly just, oh. you know, do you projects. You fast forward because you have a VCR. Unlike <laughs> me. Yeah, yours is in the shop. I'm still in the shop. No, so, okay. I have to admit, I was all pumped to do this evil yeah. auntie case. And, like, Norman even came in when I was, like, halfway through with the research. He's like, what are you doing for tomorrow? I was like, oh, man, I've got this case about this evil lady who sued her eight-year-old nephew because yeah. he hugged her. Oh, my God, she's such an asshole. And I got to this part, and I felt horrible for yeah. her. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, she got dragged by everybody. Yeah, that's nuts. Um... So my grandpa, actually, so he has this dog that he walks, like, for miles every day. Okay. And he's, like, my grandpa's, like, 86 years old, 87 years old, something wow, like that. Wow, okay. Yeah. He takes, he takes him for walks every day. And they were walking in their neighborhood one day, and there was a dog across the street that is always on a chain. And it barks at his dog. His dog's name is Franklin. Mm-hmm. Barks at Franklin. Every time they go by. Right. Well, on this particular day, it broke its chain. And it came at them, knocked my grandpa down, attacked Franklin. Uh, uh, Somebody passing by had to pull the dog off of my my grandpa and Franklin. Uh, My grandpa ended up breaking his wrist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Franklin had to go get stitches. It was like, my grandpa's stuff was all covered because if he, he's on, you know, Medicare and whatever. Sure. And so, but Franklin's vet bills were like $300 and ended up, he didn't have any puncture wounds. Everything was okay. Good, but yeah. He still had to get some, some vet care. And so he, my grandpa talked to a lawyer and they suggested that they sue the owner of the dog to get that. Cause the woman wouldn't just like, he, they went, he went and talked to the owner and asked yeah. her to cover the vet bills and, she wouldn't do she it? She would not, no. 300 bucks? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, she would not. And so he went and talked to a lawyer, and and he was like, yeah, we, we can take her to court, and, you know, likely her homeowner's insurance will cover mm-hmm. the vet bills, and probably more. You'll yeah. And so he's been, this has been going on for, I, I, I want to say, like a couple of years now. Oh, my god! Finally just found out that she is a renter at the property uh-huh. and because the dog doesn't isn't owned by the owner of the property nothing you're kidding huh? me so he can't he can't get even his vet bills covered well and by this point i'm sure he's spent enough on so legal I, fees i think that he went through a lawyer who only collects if we that's win. right <laughs> if we don't collect you don't pay <laughs> wow yeah. that sucks yeah it does suck yeah. Poor grandpa. I know. I know. But 
He's all recovered. Franklin's fine. Good. So that's really that's all good. Just he didn't. Will end you up. post a picture of Franklin in the Discord? Ooh, I don't know if I have. I can get a picture of Franklin. Yes, and your grandpa. Yes. <laughs> so they're at trial because they had to be at trial. The whole thing was pretty quick. Obviously, it's uh-huh. not like this was some big yeah. complicated case. The jury deliberated for twenty five minutes. What do you think they decided? Wow, gosh, I'm actually kind of torn because I would think they would decide that. Um, I can't remember the kid's name now. Sean. Sean. Sean was not at fault. But if they hear the story about how it's the only way to get her medical bills paid, maybe they will find him at fault. See, this is why I wish there was more coverage of the yeah. actual trial. Do they get to hear that? I don't know. I don't think so, though, because then I feel like the the legal argument would be way different. I don't yeah. see why you would make this dumb argument about like, oh, well, a reasonable eight year old would have known blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no. Yeah. So they're going to find in in Sean's favor. And they did yeah. unanimously. OK. Um, I think it would be different if they were able to hear. Sure. The only reason I'm here is because I'm trying to get my medical bills paid and this is what the state requires. Yeah, if, if they but I can able, see why that's not allowed in court. Yeah, if they were able to get up and say, this is stupid, this yeah. is backward, but yeah. I've got $127,000 in medical bills or whatever. Yeah. And someone needs to pay. Yeah. So there you go. My eight-year-old nephew should be the one. <laughs> this was the ruling that I think most people expected. Mm-hmm. But what Jennifer didn't seem prepared for was all of the social media attention. She said, it's amazing the power that the internet has, that something can go viral, completely out of context. That's it. Yeah, it would, it would be. And I'm, I'm giving, again, the benefit of the doubt that what her attorneys said was correct because I didn't find any evidence otherwise. But if what they said was correct and she really had no other choice in this, then this poor this woman. This poor woman, seriously. She said, I'm certainly not trying to retire to some villa in the south of France. I'm simply trying to pay off my medical bills. Oh, my goodness. After the verdict came down, Jennifer and Sean went on the Today Show together. They wanted to tell the world that they really did love each other and that this lawsuit was basically a formality It had been about insurance, not about ill will. Sean said, She would never do anything to hurt the family and myself. She loves us. I felt like everybody was saying stuff that they didn't know. And that's the story of an exuberant hug. That is so crazy. Isn't that sad? That is sad. I completely had one view of her at the beginning and then totally changed it. I thought about mixing up the order a bit but i was like no i i mean because i remember this case do you remember this case okay i remember it and man i was like oh yeah that evil lady oh i'm gonna do a story about her oh she sucks so much and no she doesn't she doesn't she was just trying to get her medical bills paid and this is what the state required yeah the insurance industry sucks so much yeah which I totally believe. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's the funniest thing is that I, I definitely know the insurance industry sucks. I don't know why I had to jump to her being awful. Right. But, but yeah, that's that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to talk about a story of survival, but it's going to get real sad before it gets happy. 
Okay. So I'm just warning you going well, in. Most stories of yes. survivals do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to get dark and then it has a very happy ending. I promise. I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat. Does this involve children? And there's no children. Oh, okay. Well, good. yeah. No, okay. No children. No. Um, and then the majority of this comes from a 48 hours episode. Um, I'll wait to tell you the title of the episode until the outro, but I will tell you that 48 Hours does these episodes called Live to Tell, and this is a Live to Tell episode. Okay. I can tell you that since I've already told you it's a survival story. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, spoiler. (laughs) Melissa Dome and Robert Burton began dating when they were high school students in Clearwater, Florida, and things started out great. Robert was like this super tall ginger who was very charming. And Melissa was this really cute, sweet, petite, little blonde. Very cute girl. Um, Kind of an odd couple because he was so tall and she was so short. But Robert was super funny. He was always bringing Melissa flowers. Pretty quickly, the two were inseparable. Melissa even went so far as to describe their relationship as best friends. While things were good, Melissa also felt a lot of pressure and felt like she carried the weight of being fully responsible for Robert's happiness. Mm. He didn't really have anyone else. He'd had a tough childhood and difficulties with his parents' divorce. And then when his mom remarried, she'd kind of started over. She had a couple more kids with her new husband and Robert. And these kids were the real kids. Uh huh. Okay. And Robert all of a sudden felt like an outsider. Uh, yeah. Um, the redheaded stepchild, Aww. if you will. Because <laughs> he's redheaded. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so Melissa and her mom went out of their way to make sure Robert felt accepted and at home at their house. As Melissa neared graduation, though, things in the relationship started to change. Uh, Melissa was focused on becoming a nurse, so she spent a lot of time volunteering at local hospitals. In fact, she graduated high school with 600 volunteer hours, something that looks great on a college application. But Robert wasn't super happy about it because it meant time apart from each other. And then, oh, I'm sorry. What? I just can't imagine telling someone, I'm sorry, you spend too much time volunteering. Well, you're also not an abusive boyfriend. So. Oh. <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> when Melissa began applying to colleges, Robert became super jealous mm. and began downgrading Melissa any chance he got. He called her dumb. He said she'd never amount to anything. She's classic... Uh, abusive behavior. Anything to make Melissa believe she needed him. I'm so grossed out. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That she was nothing without him, would amount to nothing without him. Was he going to college? Oh, you know, I don't know. They didn't really mention it in my my research. I'm wondering if it was like, you're so dumb, you can only go to the colleges that I'm going to. Right, yeah. Melissa followed up with pretty much textbook textbook behavior of someone who was being abused. First, she denied that she was in an abusive relationship. She was like, that's not what's happening. He's just upset. Things are changing, you know, whatever. And then when she finally admitted to herself that's what was going on when he started 
hitting her and Mm -hmm. all of that, she hid it from everyone else. Yeah. Including Mm -hmm. her mom, who she was super close to. We have talked a bunch on this podcast about how the most dangerous time to be in an abusive relationship is when you are trying to leave it. Yes. And that. Yeah, so anyone who's like new to the game and yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. why doesn't she just leave? It's not that it's simple. It's not that simple. When you are trying to leave is when you are most likely to be murdered. Mm-hmm. And this proved to be absolutely true for Melissa. She tried to break things off with him. By, by this point... Like, they had been together for several years. She's already off at college, and things have just gotten worse. One day, they're in her bedroom. She's she's going to college, but she's still living at home. And right. so they're in her bedroom one night, and he puts his hands around her throat. Oh, God. And to the point that she almost passes out. And so she attempted to break things off multiple times, and each time she did, he either threatened to or attempted suicide. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, So he made multiple attempts at suicide. He threatened suicide. He threatened to kill her mother Mm -hmm. and hurt the people that she loved if she left him. Yep. And so she stayed. And the things in the relationship continued to escalate until one night in October of 2011. Something Melissa did somehow set Robert off. And all of a sudden, he was punching her, he was pulling her hair, and she just took off running. She grabbed her phone, and she dialed 911, and she just kept running. And What year was this? This Sorry. was 2011. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So she's on the phone with, with the dispatcher, and she's like, he's going to come after me. He it was beating me up. Like, is somebody coming? Is somebody going to be here soon? And then she got really worried because she had run away from her house. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, he's going to kill my mom. Oh, my gosh. I know. He knows that I have run away and that I've called 911. He's going to go in there and kill my mom. Yeah. And so she, Melissa tells the the dispatcher, I don't know if he went inside my house. I don't know where he is. And she started to run back to the house. And the dispatcher's oh, like, no, don't go in the house. Yeah. You know. Ugh. And she, so she's on the phone. And she's like, I can see him. I can see him. He's right outside my house. And the dispatcher's like, stay away. Police are on their way. And then Robert turns around and Melissa yells to the dispatcher, oh, my gosh, he sees me. He's coming right for me. Oh, my gosh. She's the 911 call is just her screaming. And he's he's clearly hitting her on this 911 call. And then all of a sudden. Two police officers show up. They pull Robert off of her. They arrest him. And. They what? I don't love what they told Melissa, but it made an impact on her. Okay, what'd they say? They said, um, we don't want to see you again. We don't want to be here again. Women go back to the situation constantly. Don't be that woman. Okay. Yeah, those those officers need some more training. Right. Yes. So they arrested Robert and he was charged with battery. Um, He was only held for like 10 hours. He got out of the charges. You know, nothing really came of it except that uh, he was given a restraining order Mm -hmm. for Melissa and that effectively ended their relationship. 
when the police got there and arrested him, Melissa made the police come with her to tell her mom what had been going on because she was so ashamed that she had let herself get in this situation. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No. Yeah. You didn't let yourself. You didn't let yourself do anything. No. Yeah. You were manipulated. You were abused. You did this can nothing happen wrong. To it anybody. can happen to anyone. It does happen to anyone. Yes. Say that. It does happen. It happens to anyone. Yeah. Yes. She did nothing wrong. She had nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Because she was so ashamed to tell her mother that she'd been in this situation. So, well, sure, because it's so easy. You know, you're just supposed to walk away. Right, exactly. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely, yeah. Melissa said that that restraining order gave her just a fresh start, a new life. It was like she was her old self again. She was in school full time. She was hanging out with her friends. She was doing everything she wanted to do. Um, She was nearing her graduation. I think she was in like a two-year program maybe at that point. Okay. And so she was nearing graduation. They were planning a a backpacking trip through Europe with her friends for when they all graduated. Don't give me so much hope. It was like she said it was like her life was given back to her. Yes. All of the stuff that she had lost, all the stuff that she had been through because of that horrible relationship. And so she celebrated her 20th birthday by going skydiving. She was like, this is the new me. I'm so happy to be back. And then all of a sudden, that new life was ripped out from under her. It was January 24th, 2012. Melissa hadn't seen Robert in like three months. And he walked right through that restraining order. He began calling her obsessively over and over and over. After three months of no contact? Mm -hmm. I do not understand Three months of no contact. What the fuck happened to you, dude? All of a sudden, just calling her over and over and over again. And so Melissa had kind of kept up with him like on social media and saw saw that he was dating someone else. So she's like, great. You know, he's moved on. I have my own life. I'm through that. I'm past it. Finally, she answered the phone. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And he said that he had gone to court that day for that battery charge. And it just brought up a bunch of old feelings and that he just needed some closure from their relationship. Nope. All he wanted Mm -mm. was one last hug. Oh, fuck. Ooh, we're both doing creepy hug cases. Oh, no. Closure one is something hug. you give yourself. And Melissa was like, no, leave me alone. I have class in the morning. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Robert began to cry. And he said, after everything we've been through, you can't just give me a hug? No, I cannot. I wish people could see my... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I just bumped the mic. That's good, too. It's and, because my hands are, like, on my face. And so... Melissa's on the phone with him and he's just like crying and begging for this one last hug. And so finally she's like, I just want to be done. I just want this to be over with. And so she reluctantly agreed to come outside of her house and meet him at three o'clock in the morning for that one last hug. Don't negotiate with a terrorist. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) So 
She walked out of the house. She says she remembers the night so well. It was just like eerily quiet in the neighborhood. There was no one around. It seemed darker than usual. And there was Robert standing outside of her house. And she went up to him. He didn't say a word. She didn't say a word. She put her arms out to hug him. He hugged her. And then she heard a click. Oh, God. And she didn't know what it was. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he was stabbing her. Oh. Oh, God, it was a switchblade. It was a switchblade. Oh, fuck. He was stabbing her in the head. Oh. The neck. God. The face. Fuck. Oh, my God. She said her mouth began to fill with blood. And so she knew she needed to run. Oh. And so she tried to fight him off. She heard her skull crack. Oh, Jesus. And then somehow she got away from him and she took off running. But he tracked her down. He pushed her down to the ground and he pulled out another knife, a bigger knife from somewhere. And he just went nuts on her, just stabbing and stabbing and stabbing. And then Melissa says she remembered seeing someone out of the corner of her eye. There was a girl with a phone. She knew that this girl had seen what was going on and she prayed that this girl was an angel and that she was calling 911. And sure what are enough, you about to tell me? Sure enough, she did. Oh my this, god. This mystery girl. Yeah. That happened to see this happen at three o'clock in the morning, called 911, and the she called and said, I just watched this guy murder a girl in oh the middle my of the god. street. I saw him kill her. Yeah. When Robert realized maybe that this girl had called 911, or perhaps when he thought that Melissa was dead, he got up and got in his car and took off. Melissa laid there on the pavement. She said her hair was soaked in blood like she'd just gotten out of the shower. Oh, my God. She said she felt herself dying. In that she prayed that her mom would not come outside and find her. The dispatch sent an officer immediately. And when the officer pulled into the neighborhood, it was a female officer named Melissa Harris with the Clearwater Police Department. She said it was approximately 318. She pulled into the neighborhood and she saw a figure crawling through the grass on the side of the road. And it was Melissa. Oh, she ran up to her. She told her to lay down, lay still. Emergency crews were right behind her. Um, The first paramedic on the scene said there was so much blood he couldn't tell where she was injured or what form of injury it was. And so he just started feeling around her head to see where all of the blood was coming from. And his finger literally (gasps) slid inside her skull. Oh, stop. She had been stabbed 34 times. Oh, my God. And it had punctured her skull. Ugh. And her arms, from her trying to defend herself, were just mutilated. Of course they were. Melissa says from the time that the first responders got there to when she woke up in the hospital days later, that memories of that are super foggy. She remembers them putting her in an ambulance and then saying, 
that they needed a helicopter. Mm. And she remembered thinking at that moment that that meant that she was dying. They only call in helicopters for people that are about to die. Mm. Um, She also says that she remembers waking up in the ambulance and asking them if it was heaven because it was so bright in the ambulance. Yeah. When she was sitting in the ambulance waiting for the life flight to get there, that that first police officer on the scene was talking to her and she was like, who did this to you? And she said, the police officer thought she said Robbie Merton. And so she's like, Merton? And Melissa gathered herself so much so that she could correct her. It was so important to get out the name of who did this to her. And she said, no, Burton with a B. And so they put out a be on the lookout for Robert Burton. And Melissa was able to get out that it was her ex-boyfriend. And then she told the police officer that she was really tired and that she felt like she needed to go to sleep. No, no, no. And so... Oh, my gosh. This this police officer who was um, on the scene, they interview her on this episode of 48 Hours. And she is like choked up when she's saying this. She's like, she's like, I thought in that moment that she was giving up and that I Mm -hmm. would not let her do that. And so she just kept talking to her and she just kept talking to her. The the paramedic or another police officer had gone to the house by this point and uh, rang the doorbell and got her mom to come out and her her mom came to the door and was like, what, what's going on? And they were like, it's Melissa. She's been stabbed. We need to take you to her. Mm. And she said, as they were walking, she saw blood stains all over the street. And she said, she realized that they were taking her to see her daughter before she died. Mm. Finally, the helicopter gets there and this paramedic takes her from the ambulance to the helicopter and he said his name was Cameron and he said as he was loading her into the helicopter he just had this feeling wash over him he knew she was going to live and he knew he was going to see her again more on that later okay was that secretly Miss Cleo it was Miss Cleo (laughs) (laughs) they managed to track down Robert Burton, when they find him, he had run his car into a convenience store. Cool. Uh, and taken a bunch of sleeping pills in an attempt to end his life. Hmm. His car sat rammed into this building for so long with his foot on the accelerator that the wheel burned through the tire and then the metal ground on the pavement so long that the wheel had lodged itself into like halfway into the cement that's crazy it's crazy how long does that take i have no idea i saw a picture of it and i was like how did how yeah how how does does that even happen wow meanwhile melissa has been rushed to bayfront health medical center and dr jeffrey johnson is interviewed on this episode of 48 hours and he's the first person to to work on Melissa when she got there. Uh, so this, this medical center is in St. Petersburg. That's where they life her to. Um, when they, when she got there, they, she was essentially dead. Mm-hmm. She had lost so much blood. She had the faintest heart rate. Um, and they immediately started CPR and got her into surgery. She flatlined twice while in surgery. Holy crap. And they resuscitated her. Holy crap. Oh my God. They spent, Hours working on her, 
to stop the bleeding, figure out if there was internal injuries. She had a stroke because of all the bleeding during this. And then after three, four hours of ongoing resuscitation, uh, the doctor asked her to squeeze his finger. And she did. Oh, my God. And he was like, I knew then she was going to be okay. She sent... 10 days in a coma in the ICU. Yeah. And then she woke up. The very first thing she did when she woke up was ask for a piece of paper. She couldn't speak because she had yeah. you know tubes and everything. And she wrote on the piece of paper, she wrote, dead, alive, or in jail. Oh. That was the very first thing she asked. Good for her. When she came to yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. And so the detectives were like right there in her room and they said that he was in custody, that he'd been a, he'd been charged with attempted first degree murder mm-hmm. and that they were going to see this thing through and make sure that he got the harshest punishment possible. Yes. But Melissa couldn't focus on Robert just yet. She had asked that because she was terrified that any second he could walk into her of room. Course. And so knowing that he was in custody, that was enough for the time being. And she could focus on her recovery. And she had a long road ahead of her. Um, 34 stab wounds, arms just horribly mangled. Um, The stroke had left her body like half paralyzed. Oh, my gosh. They told her that she would likely never walk again. Yeah. But Melissa was determined. She had planned a trip, that trip to Europe with her friends for after graduation. (laughs) And she was going to do it? She asked her doctor what the likelihood of her being able to go on that trip was. And he was like, Uh, like, honey, hate to tell you. I mean, if you work really hard in physical therapy, I mean, maybe. That's all she needed to hear. She needed to hear that there was a chance. And so she worked her ass off in physical therapy. Oh, this and is amazing. Three weeks after the attack, she walked out of the fucking hospital. What? No wheelchair, no walker, no cane. She walked out of the hospital. That is crazy. Crazy. Woo, we got a bottle, whatever is in her. That's amazing. <laughs> Nuts, right? Yes. Yes. And she did make it to Europe. She graduated on time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She graduated on time. She went to Europe with her friends. And she says she just had this moment where she was standing in Paris looking at the Eiffel Tower. She was with her friends. And it was like at night. And the Eiffel Tower was all lit up. And she just started crying. And her friends were just kind of like laughing at her. Like, oh, my gosh, you're so lame. And she's like, Uh, which is ridiculous. Yes, exactly. And she was like, and they were like, why are you crying? And she said. I don't know, because I almost died like a month ago. she She said, I'm so happy. Like. How am I here? Do you realize that I was almost murdered? And here I am in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yes. She said it showed her that she could really do anything. I think she's yes. amazing. I think her friends are dumb. Dumb, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think she is amazing. And now she knew exactly what she wanted to do. Melissa Kill said, Robbie. Well, yeah. Melissa said, 
All I wanted to do was get on that stand in court and show him that I'm alive. Here I am. Mm -hmm. I'm beautiful. And you didn't win. Yeah. Oh. So because of all of the injuries to her face, she's had up... 10 plus facial reconstruction surgery. She's had to have a weight put in her eyelid because it no longer opens and closes properly. She's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. She's beautiful and she's beautiful still after all of everything she's been through. That's the most important thing. It's not. No, that's (laughs) not what I'm saying. No, I'm teasing. Like she's, she is beautiful. It was one year and one month after the attack that Melissa got to face Robert Burton in court for the Did first time. Did you get time. to watch video? No video. Oh, damn it. Oh, okay. I'll accept it. So this was kind of a preliminary hearing where she had to talk about all of the things that led up to the attack mm-hmm. to see if that information was going to be admissible at trial. It better fucking be. Um, I would sure hope it is, but, you know, there's always questions about it because it's all her word. Nobody knew about any of it except Mm -hmm. for the one battery where he was actually arrested. Right. And so she's up there talking about things that she's never told anyone ever. She's never admitted to any of the things. And she said it was super hard. And I can I can imagine how difficult that would be. Yeah. And she said she was sitting up there talking about all these horrible things and that he was just staring her down. Mm -mm. He wouldn't look away. And so she said, okay, I'm just going to look right back at him. And so she just stared him right in his eyes as she said every little thing that he had ever done to her. And she said it totally changed everything for her. It made, took the shame away and made Mm -hmm. her feel empowered. Oh, Love it. Yeah. Robert Burton would be held in jail for like two years while this thing was working its way through the court system. Um, First, he tried to claim that he was incompetent to stand trial, that he had been mentally ill, temporarily insane, in a deep depression, yada, 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 all that stuff. The problem is I'm a huge murdering asshole. So (laughs) exactly. Also, I don't want to stand trial. Um, But none of that worked. And so they were moving forward with the trial. They were in the jury selection Mm -hmm. phase. And then all of a sudden, Robert got up and said, I can't go on trial. What? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm pleading guilty. I can't do this. Wait, he said this in court? In court. And his attorney was like, shut the fuck up, dude. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was done. You're kidding me. There would be no trial. He changed his plea to guilty. Uh Uh-huh. All that would remain would be the sentencing phase. Jail forever. So it's attempted. I know. I know. That doesn't carry the same. I know. That's so frustrating to me because she only lived because of her and because someone else intervened. Yeah. I'm so sorry she survived. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. At the sentencing, Melissa did take the stand and uh, deliver an impact statement, a victim impact statement. Yeah. She said, Your Honor, I pleaded and begged for Robert to stop. I didn't get a chance to walk away with 10 or 20 stab wounds. It wasn't until he believed I was finally dead and Mm -hmm. that my life was taken that he stopped. Yeah. I believe the only justice 
in return is a life sentence. I only came here with one thing to tell Robert and said I forgive him. Wow. She stood up there and she told him that she, she said, Robert, I forgive you for coming to my house and attempting to murder me. Wow. Yeah. She said she learned in all of her therapy and recovery. She spoke with someone who had been through something that was very similar to her. Uh-huh. This woman had been um, attacked by her estranged husband. And that woman said that it had given her the power back of her life to forgive her abuser. And so she decided that that's what she was going to do. And she said it was. It was just like a weight lifted off of her. That is amazing. I, yeah. What is her podcast? That's all switch. That is so yeah. crazy. So she great. stood up there at his sentencing and said, I forgive you. She said, I had to show him that he truly had no hold on me. Yeah. And that when I walked out of that courtroom, I was letting go of him. I was letting go of the memories. I was letting go of the pain. I was letting go of the hatred. Everything. You can keep it all. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And, and is- what better revenge, honestly? Yeah. He's fucking obsessed with her. Yeah. Yeah. And to say, you don't matter Uh anymore. I'm done. Yeah. Oh. At the sentencing, this is what the judge said to Robert Burton. He said, what drove you that night to go to her house and do what you did will never leave you. It's a part of you. And because of that, I'm giving you the maximum sentence. Yes. I'm sentencing you. To life in prison. Whoa! Yes! I couldn't couldn't believe that was even a possibility. Me neither. I really didn't think for attempted murder uh -uh. you could get that. I didn't think that would be a possibility either. Love it! Yeah, he was sentenced to life in prison. All right. Feeling really good. Okay, so you remember that first responder that I talked to you about. The one that helped her from the took her from the ambulance to the helicopter. He said he just had this feeling right. like he was going to see her again. His name was Cameron Hill. And 10 months after the attack, Melissa did a speaking engagement where she Oh my god, they fell in love. Got together all of the people did that they had fall been in love? Oh my god. All of the people that had been there as part of her recovery, all of the people that had saved her life, all of the doctors that had been a part Holy of it, everybody shit. who had been a part of her journey. She did this um, this speech in front of all of them. And Cameron was one of the people that was there. This is the best case ever. I love this. And so they got to talking at this event. Mm-hmm. And he... Asked to like friend her on Facebook. All of a sudden, they're like, "That's how Norman and I started." He all, friended me on yeah. Facebook. All of a sudden, they're exchanging messages on Facebook, and he invites her out to the fire station. She brings her mom to the fire station <laughs> with her. She bre- bakes cupcakes and comes. He gives her a tour. She tries on his whole suit and everything. Oh my god! And then he asks her out on a real date, mm-hmm. and they start dating. Oh my god! Where was their first date? Oh, I don't know. Make something up. <laughs> It was at a beautiful park. <laughs> they oh. went and watched the sunset. I'm I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking I'm more of a nice restaurant gal. Oh, maybe. Okay. okay. And then like two years after the attack, 
Melissa was invited to throw out a ceremonial first pitch at the Tampa Bay Rays baseball game. And so she did. And then Cameron was there. And on the jumbotron, it said, will you marry me? He was her catcher. Yes! And he knelt and he proposed <gasps> to her right there on the field. Oh, my God. I love and it. And today they are married. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes. It's the best story ever. Oh, my God. That is so uplifting. You and I are both clutching our hearts right now. Yes. That's so amazing. Melissa and Cameron are in love and married. Melissa does speaking engagements about the importance of um, recognizing abuse and yeah. and knowing that it, nothing is your fault. She also does fundraisers for this charity that covers the costs of reconstructive surgeries for victims like her all of her re- facial reconstructive surgeries were paid for by this wow. this charity so she does work for them yeah it's yeah. amazing and she calls herself a sir thriver okay that's a little cheesy I Melissa, love but I love it, it. I, love it. Yeah. I love it no it's good it's good yes and that's one hell of a story of survival that was amazing yes I, I loved every bit of it. Yeah. I loved that he is in prison for life. Yeah. No parole, right? And, and it, probably parole. It's just, probably not. Just tell me. No, no forever. Un, yeah, Thank forever you. and ever. Yes. Great. Th- threw away the key. Forever and ever. Um, yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was so good. Yeah. Ugh. Finally. Ugh. An uplifting story. Domestic violence. Oof. Ugh. It, it gets blows. to me. And I really... I. I mean, I hate it all the time, but I really hate it when someone's that young. Because, like, when you're that young, especially, it's so hard to see red flags. It is. You're not used to. Do you want to see how cute (gasps) she and Cameron are? Oh, my God. Aren't they so cute? They're the cutest. They're so cute. And is that their dog? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, they're adorable. Super cute. Oh. Fucking Robbie. (sighs) I haven't forgiven Robbie. No, I'm keeping Neither some of the bitterness. Okay, that was that was fantastic. Yeah, loved it. Yes, um, I've been thinking. We had people ask DP questions. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to all of them. Yeah, but there were some extra ones. So I yeah. thought maybe we could go through a few. Absolutely, let's answer some questions. Oh man, there are so many good questions. Someone wants to know what my dad's first thoughts on Norm were. When he met him. Ooh, I ha- can I tell my first thoughts on Norm? Yes. Oh, I my God. very specific first thoughts on Norm. Oh, my God. Yes. Should we get him in, in here for this? Or no, is it better to say it behind his back? I mean, here, I've already said it to his face, so it doesn't matter, right? Okay. Yeah, spill it, spill it. Oh, my gosh. I thought Norm, like, was too cool for school the first time we met him. He was, like, kind of quiet. And, like, at one point, we were sitting, like, yeah. all at a table and, like, he made this point to, like, scratch his arm and kind of show off his tattoo uh-huh. a little bit. And I was like, okay, this guy thinks he's so fucking cool and, like, too cool to be hanging out at this, like, fun little dinner right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think that about Norm at all now. But he was just very quiet and, like, seemed disinterested in yeah. the the entertainment. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing. Yes. Okay. You know him very well now. Yeah. Looking back, what do you think was going on there? I think it was new people and he was just kind of shy. Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, that's that's totally it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when Norm, Norm is in a group with new people, I feel like yeah. sometimes he does 
get shy. Uh-huh. And uh, how do I, hmm. I don't know. It just, it can come across as kind of douchey. Yeah. 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 I so thought he you, was a super douche. You the first thought he time. was a super douche. <laughs> I didn't think that. It only took her six months to decide he wasn't. <laughs> what was your first impression of Norm the first time you met him? Hmm. You thought, oh, I like that 12-year-old boy over there? <laughs> you okay. guys, there's a picture of oh Kristen and Norm from when they very first met, and Norm looks like a 12-year-old boy. He he had a baby face for, like, the first... <laughs> I'm going to say the first three years that we dated. He, he had a baby face. so young in yes. that Yes. <laughs> no, I, I thought he was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I thought he was absolutely hilarious and very, very different. Yeah. Which both things were true. True, yeah. Also, I thought he was a super douche. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think the part of the super doucheness comes in when, like, you know, he's got this YouTube show. Like, he's doing well. Well, but he doesn't like to talk about it. He's super modest about it. And so, like, that can come off. Like, if you don't know that he's very genuinely that way, it could come off douchey. I think you're exactly right. Because, like... If you try to discuss it with him, yeah. he's going to try to change the subject. Very much gonna, so. Actually, you know what? He's not even going to do that. He's going to give you like one word answers uh-huh. and then look awkwardly yes, at the floor. exactly. So it looks like, oh boy, here this boring little person is asking yeah. me about my exciting career on yeah. YouTube. Yes. Yeah. No, but it's just that he's so modest about it. Yes. Genuinely modest. Okay, I have this very specific memory of there was this one time I was at a restaurant and I was telling someone it was before we even started the podcast this is when we were talking about starting the podcast. Uh-huh, yeah. And we talked about it for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So we we're talking about starting the podcast and um, whoever I was talking to was asking me about you and Norm. And, and I was like, well, yeah, well, Norm knows a lot of the behind the scenes stuff because of his YouTube channel. And, and I was explaining that to them and people at the table behind the us turn around. And they're like, um, excuse me, did you just say the gaming historian? And I was <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> And they're like, oh, we are huge fans of the gaming historian. That is crazy. You know him? That is crazy. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I know him. Yes, I am also and cool. so then the next time I saw Norma, I was like, oh my God, it's the gaming historian. Like, I made this big deal. And he was, I told him the story and he's like, was just like embarrassed by it because he's so modest. Um. So on that note, yeah, my favorite thing to do, you know, I pick him up from the airport a lot, obviously. <laughs> my new favorite thing. Because, <laughs> you know, I drive the car mm-hmm. up to the curb at yeah. KCI, and he's always looking at his phone. Mm-hmm. So my favorite thing to do is roll down the passenger side window and go, oh, my God, it's the gaming historian. <laughs> Gets a laugh out of him. Uh, never? Never. <laughs> never laugh. I bet he hates that. <laughs> I laugh every time. <laughs> Ooh. Eleanor wants to know, who do you think would win in a fight, Kristen or Brandy? I hope people aren't mad that we're taking questions for my dad and giving them to us. But who do no, I think? No, I think it's fine. Who would win? Is, are we talking about like a physical fight or a debate? If it's a debate, you would win. If it's a physical fight, I mean, I'm just bigger than you, so I'd probably win, right? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. (laughs) 
we fight to the death. <laughs> Once we get a thousand people on Patreon, then we fight to the death. <laughs> Whoever survives gets to host the podcast solo. <laughs> Akash wants to know, what really grinds your gears right now, DP? Hmm. Well, I can tell you it's, what is grinding his gears yeah, right now. I it's can that too. I, I cut <laughs> so many... Okay. Obviously, anytime we have a guest on the podcast, mm-hmm. that episode is going to run pretty long. Yes. So there's just more stuff to cut out. Yeah. With my dad on, I mean, that man... He calls it a Seinfeld reference, but it's really an episode retelling. Yes. And it, hey, do you remember the episode where uh... blah, 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 and it just goes on and on forever? You know what it reminds me of that Chris Farley thing. <laughs> do you remember when Chris Farley had this sketch on SNL where it was just him as a talk show host, and he was oh. just like, "Do you remember that?" Yeah, and that was it. There was no question. There was nothing out. It was just like, "Do you remember?" So my dad is devastated that I cut that. Hang on. Let's see if he's responded to me. Pause for my phone to load. Okay, okay. So, yeah. My dad texted me, what happened to my four Seinfeld references? DP is getting angry. And I said, they were lame. So then he said, and I think this is very uncharacteristic and sketchy, he goes, okay, you did a great job on the editing. Ooh. Is Sheree Ray involved? Yeah, so I wrote back, did mom make you say this? And he just said, he, he, he. (laughs) That's a yes. Yeah. (laughs) That is, my mom said, you know, they work very hard on that podcast. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Ooh. So Andrea wanted to know, what's your favorite Brandy Kristen long-term friend story? What story would you tell to illustrate their friendship do you have a story that illustrates our friendship? I feel like the last time we were asked this question, we just answered embarrassing questions about each other. I know. Hmm. Gosh, I don't know. We've been friends for so long. I know. Too damn There's long, too, really. I mean, really. What's should, the expiration gonna, date Yeah, consider wrapping this up. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we fight to the uh, death, Fight that'll... to the death, that's right. Yeah, hurry up. Well, uh, subscribe to our Patreon <laughs> and... Uh, Let's hurry that thing up. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I'm thinking with the fight to the death. Like, you're probably stronger than me, but I feel like I could run away from you. No, you would and absolutely so it, run this, away from this me. This fight would last for it would forever. Last so long. It could last for years of yeah. me just seeing you and then taking Take off running. Off. Yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. Like, is she still at my house? <laughs> <laughs> that bitch is in my recliner. <laughs> Listen, Kristen, I don't want to fight to the death with you. No, I don't want to fight to the death with you either. Or am I going to find a new long-term friend? Way too much time invested in this friendship. Absolutely. It's just not even not even possible. Possible as in like, to like yeah, we don't this, have the personalities no. to get new friends? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to vet somebody and find out if they're worth the time. What do you look for in a friend? Ooh. Um, blonde. Topless. Topless? Yeah, that's a road trip reference. Oh, okay. (laughs) I thought that was a comment about my top. No! You guys, I'm wearing a real cute dress. No, remember Beth asks, what's his butt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he looks for in a girl. And he's like, she should be blonde and topless. topless. (laughs) Um, Do you have a good story about our friendship? No good stories. Mm. No, let me think, let me think. 
Yeah, I can't think of anything. Yeah, I guess it's not that good of a friendship. <laughs> I guess it kind of sucks. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just think that's too hard a question. It is. It's way too hard of a question. Yeah. Can't handle it. No. I can't go through all of the files of our entire friendship. We have many files. There's way too many files. Mm-hmm. We haven't digitized shit. No. I have a photo of, I think I've told you this, a photo of you. I just, I found it the other day of your entire fist in your mouth. <laughs> Listen, I have a giant mouth, Kristen. <laughs> and a tiny fist. <laughs> I have a baby fist and a giant mouth. Frankly, there's room to spare. In yeah, it's very roomy. <laughs> no, I think, so it was, this photo was taken in the car. Mm-hmm. We were on a road trip. Uh-huh. And I feel like I remember you saying you could fit your fist in your hand. And we were all like, no, you can't. And Fist well, in my hand? Right, what do, is that what I said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I it can can't still, be done. I think I can still do it. Do it. You want me to do it right now? Yeah. Oh, this is going to be disgusting. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's got a... Oh, my God. Ew. You guys, her, disa- her fingers disappeared in no time. I have a giant mouth, okay? That's why my voice is so loud. She's echoey in there. It's like a canyon. Like a giant canyon. Oh, my God. I remember one time I was like, I don't even know what I was doing. And I like, I must have like, I don't know. I was making some point. And I like, like, did like a jaw drop. Jaw drop. And my mom was like, looked at me and she goes, oh, my gosh, your mouth is so big. (laughs) She was just like horrified by the size of my mouth. How are you, my mom? Like, my mom can get like you know. My mom d- cleans my teeth, so she's been in that mouth a lot. I mean, probably lap of luxury cleaning your teeth, right? <laughs> Just so roomy. You get both hands and all kinds of instruments in there. Here's the test: hmm. when you go to get your teeth cleaned, mm-hmm. do they ever have to tell you open wider? Oh no. Okay, well, yeah, you know, nope. big mouth. <laughs> Never. I also have an extremely mobile bottom jaw. Don't tell us about your sex life. <laughs> okay. Wildly inappropriate. No, I have this like bite guard I have to wear um, that I don't wear, but I'm supposed to wear because I, I grit my teeth when I sleep. Bite guard? Is that like Legends of the Hidden Temple? The kid has <laughs> no, to it's not. It's, it like clips onto my forefront teeth. It's not like a big plastic like wrestler right. one. Okay. No, but like um, it's got this little thing on the end of it to keep you from being able to move your jaw around oh. it. And that sounds like a pain in the ass. Yeah, I don't wear it because of it. <laughs> and so um, when they when I got it in, my dentist was like, this is the longest end <laughs> I've ever seen on one of these. How much can you move your jaw? And so I showed him and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> because they do like a couple, they figure, I don't know, there's a whole science to how they figure out how yeah. wide that thing has to be to keep you from being able to move around it. Yeah, I've got, I've got a crazy mouth. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh-huh. I'm glad we've talked for 20 minutes about how big my mouth is now. Should we do Supreme Court induction? Oh, you know we should. Um, Guys, this time, okay, I, I'm loving this. We've changed up the question. Last time we were asking people for their favorite word. This time, 
least favorite word. Oh, I'm just, I, are we just going to say moist a bunch of times? <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, and moist is the first one. Oh, excellent. <laughs> but people found some ones that I hate. Really? Yes. I was like, yes. I- do you, do you want to say yours? The words that I hate the most? Yeah, do you want to give one? Like panties. Oh, I also, I also hate that. You know what I say instead of panties? Underpants. Underpants. That's exactly what I say. I don't know why. Panties, they always sound creepy. That sounds filthy and creepy. Yeah. It does. Mucus. Ooh. It gives me a physical reaction. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell that you almost <laughs> threw up everywhere. <laughs> Which is funny because my dad's word that he submitted is not that different than... Yeah, don't don't spoil it, okay? Okay. if Guys, if you're wondering how you could join the Supreme Court and get inducted on a future episode, Kristen's about to tell you how. Join us at patreon.com slash LGTC podcast. If you join at the Supreme Court level, you get a sticker, you get access to the Discord where we're talking all day, talking all night. You get bonus episodes, you get inducted, you get to vote on topics. So much stuff. So many things. It's amazing. So uh, for today's inductions, I would like everybody to please um, have a seat. Wow, what a letdown. I usually tell people to stand. I know. (laughs) Destiny Philpot. Moist. Eleanor Donahue. Equidistant. Oh, I like that word. Geneva Wait. Supple. Oh, I don't like it. Steven. Fiery one, Demeter. Defeat. Like, what's up with defeat? (laughs) You should have buttered me up for that one. (laughs) Ah! Yeah! (laughs) Everyone in the Discord will get that because, um, well, we don't need to tell all of of Stephen's business. Yeah, that's the secrets of our Discord. Kira Kiki Newell. Oh my god. (laughs) oh my god this is so funny she says this is my least favorite word simply because i pronounced it beige net for the longest time the actual item is delicious and it is beignet okay that is hilarious for the rest of my life i am going to see beignets and think beige net (laughs) liz m it's a tie between hubby and potty. Oh, I say hubby sarcastically. Yeah, those are both kind of way too cutesy. Tim Pounds. That's my dad. Aww. His least favorite word is pus. Ew. Ew. Which is not that different from mucus, so let's get it from him. <laughs> the pus or the mucus? Ew, girls! <laughs> Marissa. Thruple. Ooh. Katina. Oh, God. Panties. Oh, this was just disgusting. So bad. Welcome Welcome to to the the Supreme Court. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. That that was gross but fun. It is fun. It's super fun. I can't wait to do more of those. Guys, thank you so much for your support. If you're looking for other ways to support us, find us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, we're on Reddit, we're on Patreon. Uh, once you've gone to all those places, head on over to, uh, you know, iTunes or whatever it is. Apple Podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts now. Yeah, it's called Apple Podcasts now. They're changing things up. Been called that for a long time. We're just slow on the uptake. Whatever. It still says iTunes on my computer because okay. I haven't updated it. Okay. <laughs> head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating, leave us a review, and, uh, you know, 
then be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the Associated Press, the Connecticut Post, the New York Post, Snopes, and Fox 4. And I got my info from the 48 Hours episode, Live to Tell, One Last Hug. People Magazine, CBS News, and BBC News. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. 